to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Masonian Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We are glad you've joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. Sarah Masoni is still on her epic road trip, but she will be back soon. You can follow her Instagram, Sarah Masoni, to see where she's at these days. It's very fun. <laughs> you can see all the things she's eating, all the things she's seeing, and the big open sky. So follow along and see where she is. Um, we want to thank our sponsor for supporting Masoni and Marshall. Thank you for helping us spread the word about small women entrepreneurs. Let's hear a word from our sponsor, Market of Choice. Market of Choice is the proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local food entrepreneurs, so much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed, and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers, farmers, ranchers, and fisher folk realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. Thank you, Market of Choice. We love you. Thanks for sponsoring us. We have been checking in with past guests for the last few months, so our guest has been on the show today, but it was one of our original guests, so I'm very excited to welcome her back. I would like you to introduce you to Katie McCarran, owner of Portland Pet Food Company. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me again. It's so good to see you and hear your voice. Last time we recorded, we were in studio. Now we're doing all of these on Zoom. So totally different world, but I'm glad that you could come back and tell us anything that's changed about your biz. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and also to Sarah. I know she's on her road trip and well-deserved. I know. Um, she's missed for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Um, well, I'm trying to remember when we last talked. I think it was 2018 or 19. Yeah, definitely. Um, Pre-pandemic. Um, well, we're still rolling along. We are making all human-grade natural pet food. Uh, we have now expanded into cat food in the last year. So we do have that also available in our shelf-stable pouches. Um, we've gone through a lot of growth. The pandemic um, actually was very good to us. That was very hard as I saw some of my fellow makers really struggle. But um, a lot of people were adopting pets. They were working at home, had their pets with them. And the pet industry seemed to really thrive and continues to do so as many more people have adopted pets. Um, we've created one new group, one new um, grain-free biscuit since we last spoke. It's an apple and mint biscuit. And we work actually with Mike Seeley from Seeley Mints uh, oh, to fun. make this mint biscuit. So that's been a lot of fun too. Uh, growth in-store as well as online has been the biggest areas for us and our focus. And obviously well, online during the pandemic. 
that it's really nice to hear some positive things that have come for some companies. We, um, you know, we don't always want to talk about the heartache and heartbreak of everyone, but we have been a lot because there's been a lot of things that were hard for people. So it's good to hear that for the pet industry and the pet food industry, there was some, um, you know, good things that came out of it. Cause I'm sure with those new pet owners and new adoptions, comes a lot of really loving relationships and happy people that come from those pets. And then you're there to feed them. I want to make sure that just in case people haven't um, heard the original episode, that they um, know who you are and where to find you. So let's um, direct them to your wonderful Instagram and um, and where to find you online. Yes, we can be found on Instagram at Portland Pet Food. Uh, the same for um, online with uh, Facebook. Those are our main handles. And obviously we have a Twitter handle. We also have our online website at www.portlandpetfoodcompany.com. And then, of course, you can find us in store at Natural Grocery um, locally with um, many of the markets here as well as across the country now. That's so great. So that has, um, you know, quite a few things have changed since you were last on. But um, I was trying to look up when, if I could see really quick when you were on the show, because I didn't look at the exact date, but I know it was definitely... Um, pre-pandemic for sure. Yes. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was like right before. Definitely, yeah. And if people want to listen to that show, Sarah Masoni actually ended up eating some of your pet treats. Do you remember That's that? That's right. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, it looks like you were on in January 2020. So right before. Oh, right before. Um, yeah. And so it does make sense that some things have changed. So let's just give people a. Um, brief overview of what it is that you make and who it's for, because I know you have added a couple of lines. So let's give them a big little synopsis of your business. Well, Portland Pet Food Company uh, was founded here right in Portland, Oregon. Uh, We're still located in Southeast Portland. Uh, We have our own bakery here. Um, We provide both pouch meals as well as bakery goods uh, for both dogs and cats. Our pouch meals, we have five different varieties and they're available on a shelf-stable pouch. And we only use human-grade ingredients. It's all formulated for a dog, but it's all ingredients you would find in your own pantry. And it's all sourced here in the United States, primarily in the Northwest, but we do source from other parts of the U.S. Um, And then we have our two cat meals that we launched in the fall. We have a salmon and a chicken, and they are also in a shelf-stable pouch, ready to serve. So all of these meals you can just rip open and put into uh, the bowl. Our dog meals, you can actually heat up. It's in a microwavable pouch. So if you have a really picky dog, an ill dog, lost their sense of taste and smell, you can bring out the aromas because it doesn't smell like dog food or cat food. It smells just like any type of meal that you would be cooking in your own kitchen. Um, And the aromas are really very excellent. And then we have our brew biscuits, which are sustainable because we repurpose spent grains from the local breweries. And we upcycle those and mix them with 100% Bob's Red Mills flour, 100% natural peanut butter. And then we will add in a nitrate-free bacon or a beef broth or a um, organic pumpkin. And then we also offer our grain and gluten-free line too. And those come in gingerbread, mint, bacon, pumpkin. Very cool. So some of the things are new and expanded and some that you've had. What do you think your most popular product is? 
You know, our most popular products still continue to be Rosie's beef and rice, which I'm very proud of because that was my original recipe. Mm-hmm. And um, it's named after my 14 year old dog that really was the inspiration for this company. At the time she was 14, when I started cooking, she lived to be 17. And I just thought there is a place in this world for just pure, all natural, not supplemented meals for dogs and cats. Yeah, I, I'm. it's so nice to hear a story, um, you know, that you were able to help your own dog. And then now just think of all of the people that you have helped that have similar problems with their aging dogs and you help them to get a little more life and time with them. It's so beautiful. No, it's, it's so rewarding. And most of our testimonials, um, you know, you can read some of them online, but they're from customers that have really struggled to feed their pet, Um, whether it's just a picky eater and maybe younger, or it's an elderly dog that's really struggling to eat. And just to have a little bit more quality time with the dog near the end of the life is very rewarding for me. And it's something that I wanted to share with others. Um, I certainly didn't want to see an animal suffering because of poor nutrition near their end of life. Um, So trying to make the most as comfortable as they can, as well as have a nutritious diet. Yeah. I, um, you know, it's really fun to follow along on your um, Instagram and your stories to see what happens because I mean, you really are, you're like a bakery and a restaurant, you know, combined because you're cooking all of these meals and you're cooking all of these baked goods and you're actually like, you know, cutting out all of the biscuits. And, um, you know, I think sometimes people don't really think about that, that that would be how you're doing it, that you're doing it just like any other food business, which is why we like to have you on the show because you have a similar experience, but it's just happens to be food for pets instead of food for humans. <laughs> Exactly. And I think, you know, because particularly in the pet food world during the pandemic, um, because we were sourcing in the U.S., we didn't run into issues with supply chain issues uh, that really did haunt the pet food industry. And then with our meals being in the pouches, um, the retort meals cooked right in the pouch, we didn't have any issues with the with the can shortage either. Um, But as you said, we are a human grade bakery, basically. And I am so fortunate within the Portland area to be able to discuss issues that anyone has with operations and growing with others that are in in the food business, whether it's for humans or pets. Yeah. I I really would like you to talk a little bit about what it's like to expand your business because I think that, you know, a lot of our listeners are other makers and a lot of them are new makers. And I think that, you know, uh, there's a lot of lessons to learn in um in growing. And I think that, you know, if if you were getting busier at the time during the pandemic and had to expand, I'm sure there's a lot of things that you learned. Could you kind of walk us through what that expansion and and busyness looked like for you? Well, it was scary, first of all. Um, growth is always scary. Um, trying to find the resources and funding to grow is very difficult. Uh, luckily, I've got a great team around me and was able to rely upon some of their resources and brilliance because um, I certainly can't do everything. Uh, we were really struggling. Uh, we were in a very small uh, kitchen. And actually, we had been doing fulfillment in that kitchen, and then we had to move to a second location across the road. So that created all types of issues for us, transporting product, 
um, assuring about inventory, et cetera, in a couple different locations. So then we had our office in another location. So we decided in um, 2021 that we would move. So when we are now in a space that's all, we're all together, it's 15,000 square feet of space, uh, but it's a huge commitment. It's um, financially, it's been a challenge. And it's, um, as you know, as an entrepreneur, sometimes you just kind of got to go with it. Um, and then, of course, during the pandemic was keeping everyone safe um, because we were an essential business. We were open every day. Um, a lot of people that worked in the office said in some ways it was a godsend because they weren't just at home. Uh, we could come in. We all wore our masks. We had no incidences of COVID during that time. It wasn't until all the regulations were let up that people mm -hmm. started to get sick. Um, but not in huge numbers. So we were very, very fortunate that way. Um, you know, going into stores is very expensive. Yeah. And um, you just have to be willing to sort of wheel and deal. I mean, a lot of stores will ask to have a free fill. And if you can't do it, it's okay to push back and say, we just can't afford to do that at this time. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times we'll go in with one you know, buy one case, get one at 50% off. Um, but yes, expanding distribution, learning the whole world of negotiation with, negotiation with buyers who you really want to partner with because you want it to be successful for both of you. And then looking at your different types of promotions. Uh, we used to have everything on promotion at once. And we quickly learned, well, not so quickly, actually, but we, we learned over a couple of years that, you know, I'm just going to promote this SKU during the month of February, and I'm going to promote this one during the next quarter uh, so that we spread it out. And um, those costs, you know, then were just uh, dispersed over the year. That's such a good idea and, and something for people to think about. I think even when I'm doing our um, newsletter, you know, to our subscribers, I always feel like... If to make it worth it, I need to give them some kind of discount code, you know, and I do. And I usually do it for all of our products, but it does make sense that it doesn't have to be that. It could just be one and maybe it would get them to try something they haven't tried before. So it might actually be a benefit. Whereas now I think what people do is they order like a few of their favorite sauce that they've already had, you know, and and um, so that's that's really helpful. I feel like I'm going to use that advice <laughs> for my own um, newsletter and and promotions. And, you know, not, we haven't done it, you know, we're far from perfect. We're just struggling to get through this like everyone else. Yeah. There's a challenge every day. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, our challenges, we thought, oh, we'll create this wholesale um, page on our website. But you also need someone to, to manage that and to put time into it. And we still have people just ordering direct. And, mm -hmm. And now we're looking at, do we really even need this? Um, so every, you know, that just came up in a discussion about an hour ago. So yeah. there's always something new. Yeah, for sure. And I think it always changes. I mean, I think, um, you know, you've had this business for a long time. And, and so, you know, things didn't used to be so easy to have people order them certain ways. Like now there's all these different 
um, kinds of sites that kind of assist you, like maybe FAIR, or FAIR. I, I can't remember what's left anymore because I know some have switched and changed hands, but um, but FAIR is a pretty common one. And so that makes things a little bit easier, either, easy, even just for our own websites to house our um, wholesale. That that didn't used to really be an option. And I think it is now. And I think we'll, we'll see things more and more move towards us physically and personally taking less orders through email. I think that people want to just be able to go in and and do their thing, you know? Um, but I think we, it's, it's also changing. Who knows? Maybe some AI robot will start taking our orders for us. <laughs> <laughs> that would not surprise me. As long as they get it right, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I know. Right. And you kind of have to be like malleable in that way as a business owner to not just get stuck in like, this is the way we handwrite orders at our trade shows and things. Cause I do think that was a way that people did things for a long time, but now it's not the way people want to do it. They don't want to sit down with you and and give you an order at a trade show. They want to be able to just order it through your iPad, you know, at the time. So I think it's like we're all learning as the technology changes. Constantly learning. And then as you mentioned, I mean, FAIR has been a new option in the last couple of years. It's been really great for us. Um, and so we're thinking that may just be an easier way to streamline these wholesale orders. Obviously, we have distribution. Um, and then Besides just the normal distribution, like a UNFI or a DPI, KEHI, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm just learning now about pod foods and really re- researching into how that might be a good way for us to enter in through some other markets, um, particularly some independent markets. So there's just, as you said, there's a lot of new possibilities, which is great, but it's also a lot to sort through. Yeah. And then you have to make the decision. even when you have all the information you have to make the decision of if it is right for you because i think it's different for everyone and i i I don't know you know know much about the pet food world or is it like do you have the same grocery buyers or is there a special um pet food buyer within the grocery world most of the stores in the grocery world do have a pet food buyer okay and Um, so it usually is a different buyer but someone in grocery um usually you know center grocery um, but yes, we usually have to reach that buyer. That makes sense. I just, I've never, um, I think you're our only pet food guest that we've had. So I feel like we get a lot of information from you that, um, you know, we don't get from other people, but it makes sense that there would be a specific buyer for that world. And, and your stuff always all goes onto the shelf, right? It's not, um, in a, a cold handling section or anything like that. It's no, it's all shelf stable. So, Perfect. um, and then as we got into larger grocery, we had to come up with a, a sleeve to put it in and things like that. So, um, and of course, as you know, people always want you to be coming up with a new product. And I'm always like, let's just sell what we have on shelf right now with the working with our sales folks and the brokers. Yeah, I know. That's um, always an interesting thing is... Um, you know, people, I think for anybody, I think it's just a normal conversation. Even if you just had a regular job at a bank, people would say to you, what's new or what's different or what are you, you know, going to do next or whatever. I think that's just normal conversation for people. But I think as business owners, we, we take it in a different way and we're like, oh, that means I got to come up with something new. Or <laughs> and we're always like changing it and coming up with new stuff. Right. And, and partially, I mean, at least in the pet food world, I mean, the industry demands it a bit. I mean, they, mm-hmm. you know, the larger players can, you know, they have the funds, they can come up with new formulas or just reformulate, reformulate something and repackage it. Um, 
And I really said about a year and a half ago, let's, we do have the cat food that's coming out. That was two years in the making. So let's focus on that. And now I'm getting pressure to have a third flavor come out. And I said, well, we'll see. And as I talked to some of the um, buyers at the stores, they said, well, you have the two most popular flavors. And one of them gave me the insight, you know, Kate, I think if you do come out with another flavor right away, it's just going to eat into the margin of the other two. So I said, yeah, perfect. I like that answer. I'm going to stick with what I got right now. (laughs) That makes sense. And, you know, they're always analyzing those sales and those numbers. A couple episodes ago, we met with Lori from New Seasons and she gave us a lot of insight about, um, you know, what it's like to be a buyer and what they, the pressure that they have and that they feel and that really, no matter what, it always comes down to numbers and, and how much money they're making for that shelf space. And even if they, even if those buyers love us as vendors and love what we do and think that our stuff is beautiful it re- and tastes delicious, it really just comes back down to like how much money they're making off of that space and if um, they offer you more space, sometimes it is good to take it and sometimes it's not. I mean, it's just like, it all depends because then if that skew doesn't sell very well, then it brings your other sales down. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes we'll just go into a store with a couple of, um, you know, flavors that we know will just like sell well, not the ones that really it takes people to try it because maybe they're a little too weird for the everyday grocery buyer. Um, so we try to stick with the basics that we know people will just buy. Right. And it took us a while to figure out, you know, measure what those were. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, though, we can tell them these are our top three SKUs in the treat category and the milk category. Um, I always try to steer them, but every once in a while, there's somebody that's like, oh, no, I want this. And I'm like, oh, no, okay, I don't really want to just go in with that SKU or two SKUs. But um, so far, it's worked out fairly well, but I really do try to get them to. to to take in the ones that are selling well so that they'll be profitable too. Yeah, that makes sense. Having those conversations is really key. And I think sometimes people are afraid of that. It's kind of like, um, you know, having conversations with your buyers, having conversations with your um, food safety specialist, whoever that is for you. Um, I think those conversations are really important. And I think sometimes people are afraid to have them because they're like, they think of them as like an authority and they're like, oh no, I'm just going to wait for those orders to come in or wait for those um, reviews and not have conversations in the meantime. And I think it makes everybody's life easier if you like check in with people, talk to them, see how things are going, see if there's anything that you can do to help promote them. All of those things are really important. Yes. Um, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about your cute Instagram. So we'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, we are back. And I want everyone to go check out your Instagram and follow along. And I just want to talk about, for you, do you have someone manage it? Do you do it? Um, How do you make it so great? Well, first of all, thank you. Um, We're always looking for ways to improve. But we we do have someone in-house. Mia handles our Instagram. And 
we have content developed in-house as well as we have a couple different uh, vendors that we work with. But um, we've been really trying to, to grow it the last year. And I think we've, me has done a great job. And it's mainly working with partnerships, uh, creating partnerships for giveaways has been really important. Um, we have one going on right now. And we had a successful one a couple months ago that really brought in more people to follow us. And then we are trying to, you know, user-generated uh, content. Hopefully I'm using the right terms. I think I got it down. Um, but we've worked with a lot of people do, who do posts for us, which is wonderful. And then influencers, obviously. Um, we did use a platform last year called Grin um, that actually, uh, you know, will do the contracts with the influencers mm -hmm. and screens them. But it's really expensive. And we just did not find out, didn't find that it really worked great for us. We'd already, we're starting to build relationships. So this year we're just, we are doing it on, on our own with our own influencers that we've met and those that are reaching out. Well, I think it's really nice. You know, we get um, used to all of this food content in our feed. And, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard to make food look good. You really have to um, do a lot. But I feel like with all these cute pets. <laughs> it's like, they're so cute. So you look at your feed and you see all these videos and they're just pets being cute pets. And it's really nice. Um, it's a nice break, I feel like sometimes, because I think sometimes too, for me, if I see a lot of food content, I'm like, oh yeah, that's really cool. Or that's what's trending. And it makes me feel like I have to do some work. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, now I have to go make a video. But when I would see yours, I'm like, oh, nope, I just have to sit and look at these cute pets. <laughs> Well, I forget the exact rule, but in the old days, that's because I'm dating myself. I think it was around, you're supposed to do like 60, 70% just sort of fun videos and content and maybe three kind of run your product and one where you're really selling it. Um, but, you know, it's a challenge and it's a, it's a lot of work. And I applaud Mia for, for the relationships too that she's created locally. And, and then working with our local vendors, um, for example, Roos Brewing, we're very, very fortunate is just down the hall from us. And um, so we're able to gather our spent grains from there, but when we've been able to do some fundraisers with them. So um, trying to build and continue to build, because still so many people in Portland have no idea who we are. Um, and, and we find that out through surveys and talking to people. So it's, it's constantly trying to just get your name out there, but also just talking about pets, adoptions, et cetera. And how do you decide who you're going to part you partner with and in, in when you're doing like giveaways or when you're sourcing, like what's your decision process like? Well, we try to work with other local companies. Um, for example, we did something with lead lenser around walking and the health the benefits of walking with a dog, uh, particularly for keeping older people active. Um, and so we did a giveaway with them and partnered on that. Uh, we've done some, think we've done it or it's coming up with Bob's Red Mill. Um, try to find either a partner that's supplying us ingredients or one that's also in the pet space. But also now, you know, other food products. We love to do that. Um, I this is a personal pet question, but do oh. you have a top breed choice that you like? Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess I'm going to be partial. You know, I, I, we, we are, we're a family of Springers. 
Um, my husband is, is a physician. It took until the dog passed away when we finally figured out that our two and a half year old had a runny nose because he was allergic to the dog. Oh, um, no. But we love Springer's. Mm-hmm. And, but then we switched to a dog with hair and we got a standard poodle. So we um, had Rosie and now we have Winnie with us who's seven years old. And standard poodles are extremely smart. They don't shed and they are so loyal. The only issue is they do think they're human and they want to be treated that way. Yeah. <laughs> they have a lot of needs just like we do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they give a lot too. So is that, I mean, I didn't know that about poodles. So they, instead of like fur, they have fur. hair. They have and hair. So, so people with, with dog allergies usually are okay with poodles. Yes. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't, I didn't really know that, but I know that um, I've noticed, maybe it's just one of those things though, when you have a friend that gets a dog and then you start to see that dog all the time, but I have a friend that got a poodle. And then I started to notice like how many people are very into poodles in Portland. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's not a trend, but it feels like at least I started noticing it once I had a buddy who had one. <laughs> yeah. And I'm always, we also had a, a loss of poo who was a little tiny, he was the runt. And I was so concerned what this person was going to do with him. So we, we took him and, you know, he was a little terror his entire life. He had a lot of uh, health issues. Um, but again, and I hate to say it, but we did feed him our diet after we discovered how well Rosie did on it. And, and he did fine. He lived to be almost 16. Um, so I love, I love working with OTOT, the one tell at a time organization here in Portland that, um, needs fosters. So if anyone out there wants to foster, they're a wonderful organization and um, they're so dedicated to helping dogs. And will um, you just tell people the name of that organization again, in case they're interested? Yes. It's one tail at a time. And sometimes you'll see it as O-T-A-T-P-D-X. I think that's actually their Instagram handle. Um, wonderful organization. I can't say enough about them. And they, um, have worked so hard with no facility and they're just opening up a facility. I I believe it's going to open this fall on Northeast Sandy, but they're always looking for fosters. Yeah. That's good information to know. I I think too, as um, you talked about, you know, people's in people increased their dog and pet adoption during the pandemic. Uh, I also know that once people went back to work, there was an increase in people giving those dogs to shelter or, you know, some kind of place um, because they couldn't take care of them anymore. And that's, that's hard as well. So now there's, there's um, a lot of pets that need homes. There are a lot of pets that need homes. Yeah. And we work with the Oregon Humane Society too, is another one to mention, Uh, you know, they've got a lot of kitties right now. So um, if anyone's looking for a kitty, it's a good time. Perfect. We'll make sure to tag those organizations so people can find them if they need, need to give pets homes. My daughter's always so upset with me because I have made our home a commercial kitchen because we can't have pets in our home and she loves animals. And so we end up doing a lot of pet experiences where we go and enjoy other people's pets. So we've gone to, you know, some of the kitty cafes or we've done Airbnb experiences with the therapy bunnies where you can go in and brush them and get them ready to take into, you know, they go visit um, different homes and things and take the therapy bunnies in and you can help get them prepped so they look their best. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, wow. I hadn't even heard of that. That's great. <laughs> it's very cool. There's there's a lot of really fun stuff that you can find to do. We went and stayed on a llama farm too, where we could go and like hang out with the llamas because the people were um, llama trainers. And so they train people to have llama farms, but, but they have these cabins that they built that you can stay in. So we went and did that. So all the pet experiences, if anybody has any, send them my way because we'll probably go do it. <laughs> We can't, we can't adopt a pet, but we'll come interact with your pets for sure. <laughs> That's wonderful. I love it. It's very fun. Well, with all of our guests that we've we've been having back on and checking in with, we um, have very important question for you, which is that we want to know what you need from your community right now. So what do you need from all of us listeners and, and people here in your space? What do you need from us? What do I need from you? Well, I think it's been such a wonderful community, uh, the food and beverage online group uh, that's going in the Portland area. I think just sharing information with each other. Obviously, if you have a pet, I'd love you to try Portland Pet Food Company and see if it has some benefits for you and your pet. Um, but it's such a supportive community. I don't have any, any big asks. I feel as though people have been already giving a lot of information. Well, and I think even if you don't have a pet, you know someone who does. So I, um, you know, have purchased your product to give to my friends who have pets. And it makes a wonderful even birthday present for a pet owner to give them, you know, special treats that they can then share with their pet. So um, I think that's a nice way to do it, too, because, you know, I don't have a pet, but I'm still going to support you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, of course. And I do think we have a really great community. I can't figure out if that is just unique to Portland or if it is all over. But since we mostly talk to people that are here and in and based in the Pacific Northwest, we do have this really strong bond with each other. And I think that, I mean, we're all connected to through this food group, but I think it runs deeper than that because I think it existed before and continues when we see each other other places. But I, I don't know if it is unique to Portland. Do you think it is? Um, I don't know that it's unique. It, it may be different mm -hmm. um, than other communities. I know, I think Colorado has a fairly active food community uh, for entrepreneurs, startup mm -hmm. Um you know, San Francisco did. I don't know how that is now. Um, and I feel like Portland um, reacted quickly to the pandemic, quickly got online to share information in a Google group. Um, I always think we're a little different in a better way out West and we're very entrepreneurial. So um, it's, it's just nice to have the support. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's really lovely. I feel lucky to be here and be part of this wonderful community for sure. Um, I do like to also ask if you have any advice for people who are currently dreaming up a business. So anytime that anybody contacts Sarah or I um, about starting a business, the very first thing we do is say, listen to our podcast. We're talking to all these wonderful women who have who have started these um, businesses uh, and they have great advice. So what advice do you have for someone who is currently dreaming up a business? Well, follow your heart. Um, do be conscious of the cost and I would double whatever you think it's going to cost to get started in this business. Um, you know, 
know that it's a learning experience, know that many want you to succeed, but others do be prepared, may not want you to succeed. And just, um, you've got to put on a thick coat. And um, if you believe in your product, just keep marching ahead. Um, but I think, I think um, financially is probably the most important thing. I, I had no idea where this was going to go. I was happily semi-retired and started in the um, farmer's markets and never really thought ahead. This was not a major business plan. This was out of the love for a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, keep, keep in your own backyard. Um, start with your local stores. And don't feel like you need to jump into distribution really quickly. If you want to just want to sell online or in person yourself, um, there's lots of choices along the way that you can make and they're not going to be wrong choices. It's whatever's going to fit you individually. Yeah. I think those are all really great points and, and topics that people want to talk about the most. I mean, I think of course we always end up talking about financials because we have to, I mean, you have to, to have a business. So, um, you know, sometimes people talk about mistakes that they have made or, um, you know, getting funding or getting business partners or whatever, all of those things end up being part of what we have to do. Um, and they're all really good things to talk about. But I also think that a key piece is to have joy from your business and have something that brings your heart joy and, and good. And so what brings you joy in your business? It brings me joy to see this group of my staff working together believing in a product that can change a dog or a cat's life and know that we are in sometimes an uphill battle because we are an alternative um, type of product. And then the other thing is obviously hearing from customers that this has been a benefit to them. And, um, and there's, there's lots of things that bring me joy. Um, you know, family being involved with the business, Mm -hmm. um, seeing, you know, that we've been able to grow and sustain the business. Granted, I mean, there are challenges every day and you've got to be prepared to work nonstop. So this is not a business if you, you know, don't have the time to dedicate to it. I think the food industry, I had been in the service industry before. Mm-hmm. I think the food industry is very, very difficult and it can be very, very expensive to get involved with. But yeah, just be def- strong. Definitely. Yeah. I think for Ask sure. Ask for help. Mm-hmm. Those are all all good things to think about for sure. I think it's really nice that you get to work with your family and they get to be part of your team. Mine business is set up that way too. And so I think that, um, you know, I spend a lot more time with my family doing this than I did in, you know, my previous career and life, um, because it definitely took me away from all of them. So I, I appreciate that all the time. And, and some people don't want that. Some people want to start a food business and they're like, um, no, I want you to be very far away from it. And that's fine too. Everybody has to do whatever works for them. But, um, for me, I always feel really lucky that I get to be around my husband and and my daughter gets to come to all of our things. And someday maybe she will work for the business too. For now, she just kind of comes around and hangs, which is very cool. <laughs> um, well, so you, you mess in, you, um, 
you talked about your team and has that changed over the pandemic time? Like how many employees did you have before? How many do you have now? How's that working out for you? Well, I think we had about eight employees in 2019. We now have 35. Um, Whoa, that's huge. (laughs) (laughs) It is huge. Yeah, that's big growth. It's big growth and it happened quickly over really two years in uh, time. And so that presented a lot of challenges too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and we think we were almost up to 50 last December, but that's our busiest time of the year is really mm-hmm. October to December. Believe it, and believe it or not, um, the treats are being, as you mentioned, being bought a lot for gifts. Um, so that is our busiest time of the year. This number that we've settled at, we've been at for a few months and it, it feels really comfortable. Nice. That's perfect. Well, um, congratulations on that success of hiring, you know, almost double the people that you've had and and being able to manage it and maintain it is really good. Um, for you mentioned that you, you know, are in some places in Pacific Northwest that people can get your product, but if we have listeners that aren't here, what's the best way for them to get your pet food? Well, we have a store locator on our website. Um, we are in like Wegmans on the East coast. We're in whole foods nationally. And then we're in several pet food stores. We're in mud Bay. Um, but that is the Northwest particularly, mm-hmm. um, but in several pet food chains also on the East coast and then online, obviously, um, we love to have folks, um, sign up on our website for our subscription. Um, there's a 10% savings there. And uh, we have a nice little subscription model that you can change very easily. You're not locked into a a long-term subscription with us at all. And when you, um, you know, we always have lots of makers that are thinking about a subscription model. What do you think the benefits are for businesses to add those as an option? Well, it's really nice because you have, you, you can see that you've got someone signed up and this is going to be ongoing. Um, we're just actually looking at the lifetime value of our subscribers. So we're just digging into that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been a fairly sticky product. So people have stayed with it. And, um, you know, it's just a, it's a revenue stream that you can count on coming in. Um, but now that we're getting a little bit bigger, we got to start looking at that and, you know, what's the cost of acquisition for that customer and, and where does it really pay off to, to be advertising and things like that? But um, no, I've, I think it's great. Um, it's really nice to have that set up um, on your website because it's pretty much, you know, income, you know, is going to be coming in every month. Yeah, it's I I think I use it. You know, we have a monthly sauce subscription. We don't have that many subscribers to it, but um I think that the people that do it end up doing it again and then it gives you we just have it set up where they rather than paying every month, they do it all at once. So for us that helps us to be able to buy more, you know, bottles all at once or more supplies or whatever. So um so that's where it becomes helpful in our um creative revenue stream we are always playing with (laughs) no i mean actually that's a great idea um something we could definitely consider also for our own business yeah it i mean you know it doesn't work for everybody but i think that's why you know you get less subscribers i think because it is a big chunk of money that they have to pay at once but um it is very beneficial to a small business owner to have that you know money come in so that you can order um 
bigger runs of things because it helps in the long run. So I always recommend it to people if they're trying to figure out a creative way to get, you know, bigger sums of money without going to a bank or something like that. That is sometimes a good, a good way to do it. Yeah, it's no, kind that's of like, a great idea. It's kind of like doing a Kickstarter, but without it being a Kickstarter. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, anything else that you want to mention while you are here? Any products you want to plug, events you're going to do, anything you want to tell the people? Absolutely. We are doing um, some events here locally. They are all posted on our website. Um, I'm going down to a cat con in LA next weekend, um, the 5th and 6th of August. I guess it's two weekends. Uh, first cat show. Um, love to get the word out about our cat food. Uh, we've got some great deals on it. Um, for people to give it a try. It's a wonderful product. And um, whether you just use it as a, a little topper on kibble, it's a, got a lot of ways, a variety of ways you, you can use it. Um, so that's my only, my only ask is that. And obviously our new mint biscuit is out. So give that a try too. Perfect. Well, I didn't know there was a cat con, but as soon as I go upstairs and tell my daughter, she's going to be looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I didn't know it either till I got into cat food and, um, there's a pop cat event going on up in Washington in September. Um, so this will be really interesting for us because we've been so focused on, on dogs. Mm -hmm. It's a whole new, it's like opening a new side of your business, a whole new business for you. Very cool. Well, I'm so glad that you could come and join me again. And it was great to catch up with you. We will, um, send all of the pet lovers your way. And thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you so much. You have a great evening. You too. We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a DM on our Instagram, Missoni and Marshall. We will be back next week. Thanks for joining everybody. Bye. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.